Hello, welcome to another edition of Talking Foosball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and you know, I'm done teaching for the semester. I've just about got all my papers graded. Now I'm ready to turn my full, undivided attention to the Bundesliga. If only it wasn't time for uh, winter break for the Bundesliga as well. Oh well. With me this week is a guy who's been here since the beginning, Terry DeFellin. It's really, really great to have you back. Are you ready for, for, for no foosball? Terry? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I have to uh, satisfy myself with, with the methadone that is uh, the Premier League over the uh, Christmas and New Year break. But yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to be with you on, I guess this is the final Talking Foosball of the decade. So uh, a big, big moment for us, Matt. I know. The earth is, is shaking beneath our feet. We're going to have to really use our cores to, to stay on top of it. Yeah, I mean, man, that, a month is a really long time. To, to concentrate on Crystal Palace. <laughs> although yeah, although I, I did see Whiteleaf have one home game on the fourth, so, you know. Yeah, a big one against Hastings. Yeah, don't, let's, uh, we're not, don't get me started on Whiteleaf's uh, Christmas scheduling because uh, it's, it, it's every year the league stiff us and send us to Guernsey. It is, uh, it's, anyway, but your listeners don't want to hear this. <laughs> they really don't. All right, we are going to be uh, assessing this week where things stand after what was a pretty intense week of Bundesliga football. Some might even call it an English week in which every team in the league did get put to the test. Three games in the space of about 10 days. Uh, we are also going to take a broader view of the state of play heading into the Winterpause, hand out a few, you know, half-assed recognitions that we like to call the halfway awards. So, you know, don't go away. All right, here we go with Talking Foosball. This is part one. You know, usually we just start with the best of the match day just gone. This one was match day 17. If you know anything about Bundesliga football, that is the halfway point of the season. 17 times 2 is 34, folks. And, you know, I think we should actually undertake some of that for sure. But I do want to open things up to take stock for a moment. We have just, of course, had a three match days in rapid succession for one thing. And for another thing, if you take an even wider view, and, and believe me, uh, me and Terry uh, like to take the wide view, this has been an absolutely wild season that scarcely resembles any Bundesliga season in recent memory. We have RB Leipzig on top, winning the Herbstmeisterschaft, in fact. They are on 37 points. Borussia Mönchengladbach, surprise team of the season, perhaps, on 35 points in second. They are followed by the reigning champs, Bayern München, on 33. Then we have preseason favorites for some, for me, uh, Borussia Dortmund down on 30 points in fourth, who are actually level on points with their arch rivals Schalke 04 mm -hmm, in fifth, and uh, Leverkusen in sixth place on 28 points. You know, there's, there's a, a good what, 12 other teams after that? We'll, we'll address some of those uh, as the podcast goes on. But I do want to talk about the top six. I think there is enough interesting in that cluster and what's been going on in the last week, week and a half, to, to sort of dig into. What part of that constellation is most surprising to you, Terry? Um, well, I, I guess the most uh, obvious answer has to be Bayern München being third. Um, because we're so used to Bayern München being first. But I, mean, I think if we looked, if we go back and think about our pre-season prognostications, um, we would probably uh, not be at all surprised to learn that Bayern are not top of the table because we were kind of maybe many of us were expecting Dortmund to be flying and to start off the season well and to be, you know, very much 
you know, at the top of the table. And that, so that hasn't happened, though. So you've still got Bayern not really having the season that, you know, they usually have. And But you've got surprise entries like Mönchengladbach. And I'd have to say Schalke as well in that conversation as well. So I, I, so I would probably actually say that the biggest, the biggest surprise has got to be Gladbach. Marco Rosa was a highly anticipated coach. Um, but I'm certain that nobody thought that he would be have that much of an effect. And, and I, I think we do have to place an awful lot of Mönchengladbach's success on Rosa because you know the squad's not changed fundamentally. Uh, I would say since he took over. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm ready to. You know, we're just going to hand out halfway awards like they're candy because you know this is, as I said, it's a half-assed award. Let, let's give uh, Marco Rosa the, the halfway award of of the best coach of the half season. I, I think we can put that one down in the books. Are we ready though to give this you know uh, surprise team of the first half uh, halfway award to uh, Munchen Gladbach, or is there a tiny little bit of us? that thinks that Schalke should be in the running. Because I personally went into this season thinking that Gladbach were going to be a decent side who were going to, you know, challenge for Europe. I am truly surprised that they have been on top of the Bundesliga for, you know, probably more weeks in this first half of the season than anybody else. They might be, you know, close with somebody else. But, you know, this has probably been the team who, for me, has been consistently good in a way that I haven't expected. However, I thought they would be decent. I really didn't know if Schalke were going to be any good at all this season. They were terrible last season. David Wagner is, you know, a Bundesliga neophyte, but he clearly has, you know, his head screwed on. He's gotten a lot out of this team. I know it probably makes you feel bad to talk about Schalke being good, but they are (laughs) Do you think that they deserve, you know, a little bit of consideration here? Yeah, very definitely. I mean, if it was possible to uh, share the uh, half-season awards, then 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 I would definitely share it between the two of them. But uh, uh, well, I mean, I'm assuming that it isn't possible. Although we didn't actually check the criteria beforehand. Let, let, let me consult the let me consult the, uh, the, the, the manual here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's it's not allowed. We're going to have to work this. Okay, out. sorry, Schalke. Sorry, not sorry, Schalke, but uh, but yeah, I think Munchen Gladbach gets it myself because it is. I mean, as you say, being top of the table is a, um, a an extraordinary and, and well above what you would expect Munchen Gladbach ordinarily to do, unless the year was nineteen seventy four seventy five. Schalke have been superb, and objectively, they deserve praise, even from this Dortmund fan, for doing so. You could, if you wanted to, however. And so I will um, make the argument that Schalke are really returning to where they ought to be as a football club, and that they have been largely terrible um, for the last few. Well, for the last season, let's say the season before, they weren't terrible, were they? They were brilliant. They they, they finished second. Um, but I, th- I think that we're seeing Schalke sort of David Wagner just bringing the levels back up to normal um, with Schalke, and so they do deserve a huge amount of, cra- of praise for having got themselves out of that funk. But I think really that the, the massive props go to Munch and Gladbach. Also, I'd have to say, from a purely aesthetic point of view, I think Gladbach are are the more interesting team to watch play football. Uh, I would say that. For certain, principally, <laughs> principally because they, uh, you know, they happen to score quite a few more goals, or at least, you know, 
more stylish play comes from there. A lot, lot more sort of speed of transition play. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely overestimating this because it is really only a 33 goals for versus 29 goals for. But the perception is out there, and I don't think it's completely wrong that uh, that Gladbach are a more attractive side. What do you think? There's you know, speaking of of attractive play and of goal scoring, there's been a couple of big profile moves. We will get to the very big profile news that has come out about uh, Schalke in in just a moment. But first, Schalke have been kind of sniffing around for a goal scorer to come in in the winter break. They are going to be loaning Michael Grigorich from Augsburg, who, you know, has had some good seasons in the Bundesliga, has sort of been on the outside looking in at Augsburg, has expressed some dismay at that situation. This to me, seems like a really good move. I mean, a strange move in that there's apparently no purchase option on this loan. And, you know, obviously, if it works out well for everyone, a purchase a purchase can be worked out. But there is no, you know, buyout clause. But to me, taking a flyer on a guy who has, has, has really shown some some good goal-scoring ability in the, in the Bundesliga when you're a team who's at least your forward line, as Schalke has shown a little bit of um, anemia, at times, doesn't sound like a bad move. Yeah, no, I mean, the number nine options haven't been too bright in the last few years. And I don't know whether or not that's just they've been unlucky with their recruitment or shown bad judgment with their recruitment or more of a systemic issue or perhaps a bit of both. I think the signing of Grich is a very, it's while a conservative signing, I think that at the very least, if he acts as a placeholder in that setup and can provide some movement and some action and get the system working a little bit better, even if he doesn't necessarily contribute uh, that many more goals, then I think that's a smart signing until the summertime. And of course, you never know. The human factor might kick in. He might see this as a great opportunity to play for a big club um, and seize it with both hands. And he may he, he may um, lift some extra goals. I mean, it can find a number nine that can can bring in, you know, another eight or nine goals from now till the end of the season. Then that greatly enhances Schalke's chance of qualifying for the Champions League. So, so it's a, it's certainly a smart move. Oh yeah, I. I, I I think if if he can get five goals from them, that would be an amazing return and and one that would sort of (laughs) put him at at, at the forefront of, uh, you know, the Schalke uh, goal scoring uh, hit parade. The bad news, however, and I think this really did overshadow the Gregorich news, is one that not necessarily hit people over the head with surprise, but it didn't really put a good shine on the way things ended the Hinrunda Partly because of the way he, you know, got himself suspended for a very, very bad challenge. But it sucks that Alexander Nubu is deciding to leave Schalke at the end of the season. And it looks like he's going to be going to Bayern. I mean, Bayern have said that they've, you know, paid for him. They haven't ruled out the possibility of loaning him out to, you know, another place, perhaps even Schalke, although I don't think that would really work out very well, uh, instead of taking him on right away. It upsets me. That this kind of um, <laughs> this kind of move is happening at a time when everything seems to be sort of culminating or, or just building towards something at Schalke. There's a lot of wind in their sails, and to have a promising young player decide that he doesn't give a toss about participating in that, and that he wants to, in fact, be certain that three years from now he will have the starting job at Bayern Munich, although. Lord knows, a lot of things can happen between now and then. It just seems weird and dumb. Yeah, you're immediately brought back to 
the Manuel Neuer uh, move from Schalke to, to to Bayern, aren't you? And, and and there's that that repeating of history, which I I find somewhat depressing. The difference being, of course, that Neuer knew that he was going to be going into a number one spot, and so and also had given you know quite a lot. Of, although he was still a young guy, he given quite a lot of games uh, and and offered quite a lot to Schalke in the time that he was there. And Nubel, you still get that impression that Nubel is still finding his feet and, and hasn't been really given the opportunity to sort of like, you know, establish himself as one of the, one of the great goalkeepers at Schalke. And yeah, it's kind of got, I, I, I get, it just gets this feeling that he's thinking to himself, okay, well, I'm now, I'm, I'm basically a Bayern Munich player. <laughs> And I, but I need to wait my turn, and so I will go into that system and do what they need me to do. And if that means going and spending, you know, a, a season on loan, you know, either within the Bundesliga or in the Premier League or Spain or Italy, then then he'll 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 do that. Um, when in fact it would have been, well, it was still would have been rubbish, but it would have been better for him to have, you know, signed a new contract and and you know being a being a Schalke player being a proper Schalke and I, it's, it diminishes the the club Schalke I think uh, and I don't think it re- reflects too well on, on Nubel we are of course not aware of the internal conversations going on between player and their, his agents and the club and we're also not necessarily aware about the relationship between them all that could be driving this as well but certainly you know from 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 the surface i i'm with you it's 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 a depressing depressing sign yeah it's a bummer all around it's a bummer in fact that uh, schalke gave him the captaincy at the beginning of the season uh, likely as some sort of inducement to try and get him to to see himself as a guy who had a future at schalke who you know could help them build towards something but now it it just seems to me it just seems to me to be a question of, of of where he can play. To me, being Manuel Neuer's number two is not – that sh- should be for a player of his age and experience a non-starter. I feel as though, however, imagine yourself if you were a, a Bundesliga club or, or maybe a, a middle-of-the-pack club in, in Spain or Italy or England. Would you want to have Bayern – park their future number one at your club for a couple of years really does that sound that attractive yeah i i think if you were at a point where you were thought that you needed to make a change of your number one if you had a well-established number one goalkeeper that you felt needed to was probably on the verge of leaving or retiring themselves and maybe that you had promising you, there was a synchronization issue and you had a promising keeper coming up but not quite ready then you might think let's have a transition season where we bring in this guy and that'll then give our our, our youth our youth player the time to season them mature and then come in and play as, as number two. So I conceive that that there may be logistical reasons for 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 bringing that in. But I mean I think if you are a a European club, a Champions League club then I would, you wouldn't really want to sign a player who is, in some respects, actually playing, or you're you're helping to develop the career of of a rival club. And I certainly think that's the, that's the case in in the Bundesliga. I, I I don't know. I certainly would not expect a top four, top four, top six Bundesliga club to take on Nubel because all you're doing is you're helping Bayern. 
you're helping yourself for a short while, but ultimately in the long term, you're helping Bayern and they have enough help as it is. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, at least from now, there has been a couple of games, not only uh, due to suspension, but for other reasons, in which uh, Marcus Schubert has been playing in goal for Schalke. He has been playing uh, reasonably well. I would not be surprised if, if David Wagner and others uh, decide that they want to continue with him until such time as it looks like he can't handle himself. Because, you know, at this point, if Alexander Nubel wants to be a backup keeper, <laughs> he can be a backup keeper right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 starting right now. Yeah, absolutely. You'll get, the, get plenty of practice sitting on the bench. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's do talk a little bit about match day 17 because there's, there's plenty of stuff that, uh, that went on there. RB Leipzig were... We're, we're, we're three one winners over Augsburg. This I thought was a really, I don't know, a, a pretty good illustration of what makes Leipzig uh, so good. They went into this game obviously with tons of wind in their sails. They had you know had that comeback uh, at midweek to to get a draw against Dortmund and, and get some points. And Augsburg also were coming into this game with with a lot of of momentum. Augsburg have been, you know, one of the form teams in the Bundesliga. They scored early against uh, Leipzig in this game, but still, after that, Florian Niederlechner goal in the eighth minute. I at no point thought that that this game was going to end in any way other than a Leipzig win. Leipzig are just a team that comes at you in waves. They do not stop. They have an excellent stable defense. They have a bunch of guys in midfield who know how to transition the ball, you know, out of the back and bring it up at speed. They have spectacular players up front, including, you know, Timo Werner, who we know all about, and Patrick Schick, who we are learning about over the last several weeks, who looks like a very dangerous dude. I came out of this game thinking, you know, as much as I ever have, that this is a team that is built to win a league title. Sure. I think that they're arriving at the top of the table at the the right time as well, aren't they? Uh, we've all enjoyed Gladbach's adventures, this Hinrunde, but Leipzig just seem to have uh, just emerged at the top of that table uh, just at the right time. They, they, they've now got that break and an opportunity to prepare and make a, a, a full-scale assault on, on the title. Um, and, and I would suggest to you that they've, they've got to be among well, I mean that's an obvious thing to say, but I would I would put them as clear favourites by now. I think to win the Bundesliga uh, as much as anything else, because it, it's likely that Bayern possibly won't get into their stride unless they make some key signings in the in the winter transfer window. Then then I think there's an excellent chance that Leipzig they have probably the best balance in the uh, teams that are contenders for that title. They've probably got the best coach. And yeah, I mean, increasingly, it looks like certainly from an attacking point of view, they've certainly they've, they've got among the best players. Uh, and if they can start off the, the Rukrunda with good momentum, then I think we could easily be looking at, at them lifting the, the salad bowl come May. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I do still think that Bayern will, they're going to have a say in this title race, in part because and while this this is a funny thing to say, uh, considering Bayern's reputation for for being not only good but also lucky, they've had some really bad luck in the first half of this season. I mean, Bayern, I got to be honest. Other than a few weeks where they sort of didn't show up, you know, things like the the Frankfurt loss or or you know, a couple of others, 
this has been a pretty pretty well functioning team. Even some of the, the the losses that they had those those two straight losses against Leverkusen and uh, Gladbach. I mean, they had no business losing those games, and it has heartened me as someone as a as a Bundesliga fan of, of another team or as a neutral Bundesliga fan, however you want to look at it, to see them stumble and to see the potential of them not winning an eighth straight title in play. I'm psyched about that. But I still think Bayern are, are hitting their stride, even if they they hadn't gotten the, the best results. And I do think that you know Hansi Flick is getting them into a better gear than they were under Niko Kovac. I think it's very smart that they're keeping him around. I think it's very, you know, I, one of the few things that I, I tweeted about in this Bayern game from this past weekend was I was sad to see them get that late goal against Wolfsburg, but to see Joshua Tsirce get it the second time in a row coming off the bench and getting a goal as basically a debutante and then his second game in the Bundesliga – they even got a nice narrative behind them right now. It's this is one of the less dislikable Bayern teams <laughs> of, of recent years. Yeah, we, we all like a Bayern team that's in third in the table, don't we? <laughs> and and uh, in England, we all like a Chelsea team that's sixth or something like that. Uh, no, I, I I mean you are not you obviously you're not going to to uh, win a Bundesliga easily and I think that if RB Leipzig win it, it they, they could well look like they're going to have to win probably you know I don't know 14 of their 17 matches if they want to be able to do it it's still a, a massive task that's ahead of them and uh, you're right and Bayern of course will will, will always be in that equation uh, I, the, the um, Augsburg Augsburg draw as well is another example of how you know they were robbed basically, yep, yep. and it's uh, you don't often see that. But it is also a truth to say that um, they have not been as clinical in their finishing this uh, uh, in Runda as they uh, as you normally come to expect them to be, and that again just could just be down to luck, or it could just be just a little bit of lack of sharpness on behalf of their front line. I mean, I think about Robert Lewandowski and about just how industrious how he, he is. And wondering if he ever stops, and um, it, it's it, when you get to a point where you're relying, you know, to an extent, quite heavily on one person for their goals, then that that if they just have an even slight falter, then that can make a difference. So I would still, you know, you, I'd still say that there's a good possibility that Bayern will will win the title. I'm not suggesting that Leipzig will win the league. But I would certainly place them as favourites, is what I would say. If, if you were to put some money on, on, the, on the Bundesliga winner, I would put them as, as narrow favourites over Bayern. I certainly wouldn't um, put Dortmund in that uh, uh, equation unless there's a huge uh, upturn. But we can talk about that uh, when you're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Yeah, actually, I do want to talk a little bit about Dortmund because not only Dortmund's up and down season has been... You know, it's been tough for every Dortmund fan, I am sure of it. This week, this English week, has been more down than up. I mean, they went into it on the back of a couple of really rousing wins over not terribly good teams. And then both at midweek and at, to, to close out the week faced better teams and did not get the job done. It looks like they were going to, to, to make something happen in, in both cases and then didn't. 
What is the trouble that you saw out of these last couple of games against Leipzig and against Hoffenheim? Okay, so I was out for the uh, Hoffenheim game. I see. Oh. So I didn't catch all of that, unfortunately. So I don't have a strong opinion on what happened there. I, I, I'm happy to read reports that we're just talking about failing to capitalise on an early advantage and then inevitably falling to defensive errors because there's a lack of defensive balance. There's a lack of balance in that squad, a lack of balance in that team, made worse, in my opinion, by the absence of Axel Witzel. The Leipzig game was wonderful from a purely objective point of view. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was just because of the hilarious, absolutely hilarious um, back passing and and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and and loss of possession and just gifting balls to some of the most dangerous players in the world and then seeing what happens. And it's just, you know, Julian Brandt, it just exemplifies Dortmund's season in that one game, scoring an absolute worldie. And then, you know, one of the best through balls that you'll ever see to an attacking player, uh, just unfortunately the wrong attacking player. And it's just really, you know, it, it's from a Dortmund point of view, it's, de- it's depressing. I think from a neutral point of view, it must be extremely entertaining. But, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just, I think the absence of Witzel for me is a fairly key component of, of, of this. But, you know, it, truth be known, there doesn't seem to be that balance and that emphasis on on defending and we were hoping that perhaps Mats Hummels might be able to bring some some of that in there, just in, in, improve Dortmund's defending system. But increasingly, you think more and more about whether or not the coach has just not got the balance right, or that, and I hate to say it because it's kind of sacrilegious, or that the sporting director is just not making the right recruitment decisions. And I and and I think increasingly we have to wonder about that. Yeah, that that game against Leipzig, I thought was. It was hugely entertaining, but it was also, I, I can only imagine from a Dortmund fan's perspective, it would have been hugely uh, disappointing in that you spent pretty much most of the first half, and, and, and to tell the truth, most of that game, showing that the sort of player-to-player interplay as well as just raw technique of the Dortmund squad is streets ahead of Leipzig. Just the way that they could control the ball was so much better. I mean, Leipzig, other than, I would say, two or three guys, have a lot of guys who are really fast and can shoot and can sometimes pass, but have really shaky ball control, you know, receiving the ball and that sort of, sort of thing. Whereas Dortmund has a lot of players who, who really play the ball very cleanly at pretty much all times. And it, it was really impressive. But they happen to be also guys who have a couple of mistakes in them, really bad mistakes. And it was really weird that, like, the team who was clearly much, much better on the ball had a couple of moments where they weren't, and that cost them. And it was just so strange to see this team that I was watching that first half especially just thinking, man, Dortmund, they're just better. They have better players. They they have better ideas. And then they just blew it with, with those two bad balls that, like, suddenly – Leipzig were level, and it was like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think you know, earlier in the season there was criticisms about mentality, wasn't there? And and, yeah. and th- they were frail. And it's interesting, I, I cranked open a um, well-known football manager uh, game recently and was reading the briefing for Dortmund, and and, and, and that was listed as as one of the squad's weaknesses was was and I thought it was interesting that that narrative seems to have found its way into <laughs> into football manager as well uh, which leads me to think that you know it's it's not 
I think Marco Royce was very, very keen to defend the team's mentality. But, but you do you look at these kind of mistakes, and you can see why people have these criticisms of of the players, and, and that you know they're not perhaps mentally tough enough. But you know, I mean, players like Julian Brandt, for example, will play you know hunt, you know so many different combinations of passes and have to make so many decisions in the course of a match that it only takes one or two bad errors in judgment and it could be fairly you know it, it, it can lead to a really serious mistake and as, as much as you're right about the about the ways Dortmund's controlled possession play works um, it, it is such that sharp teams that can move quickly in transition and catch in a counter-attack like Leipzig for example can seize upon any kind of mistake with you know and, and, and really capitalize on it of course, in one instance, they didn't even have to do that because it was literally—it was almost literally given to them on a plate. I mean, it was just spectacular, absolutely. But I mean, as a Dortmund fan, you just had to just step back and admire the just the sheer, you know, incompetence of it. It was, I mean, it was extraordinary. But I mean, yeah. And on a more serious note, because football's serious, you know, um, it's it's worrisome I think from a broader sense for the club because they've spent quite a lot of money strengthening this squad having come to down to the last game of the season last season before being denied the title I know most people thought that they blew the title a few weeks before then but I mean they did take it to the last game of the season and I think that a lot of people quite rightly would have felt well they'll make they'll they've made they've made some canny signings they're now going to push on and they can go one better and actually they appear to have gone backwards um and that's that is quite depressing and worrisome because of all the money that the club has spent and you know the club has a history of 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 spending money of spending too much money and it not paying off and you know it worries me to see them you know, possibly going down that road again if they're not careful. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm not too worried about the money uh, right now because you have one of the most saleable assets in world football uh, on your books right now. I don't know when the right moment to sell him is, but whenever Sancho goes, it will be for north of a hundred, and that's going to fix. Put a you know, it's it's going to be one giant band aid across whatever <laughs> transfer market wound is is afflicting Dortmund. I'm I'm still not totally convinced that Dortmund can't. I mean, seven points from the top is is quite a bit. But man, this Bundesliga season has been just a story of of one set of stumbles uh, on a lot of teams' parts uh, after another. I mean, you look at Leipzig, thirty-seven points is not a huge uh, haul from the first 17 games of the season. They won they won 11 games out of 17, which is good, but it's not great. This is not an imperious team. I I I feel like if any one of the top let's just say, I don't know, four or five teams goes on a real roll and say as you said wins 14 out of 17 in the second half of the season, that's the team who's going to win. I don't care which one it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, mean, I think go back 11 years to when Wolfsburg won the title. Sure. And they were in ninth position. Unfortunately, I don't recall the points gap between them and tops. But they had like eight teams between them and the top of the table at, by, at this point and, and won it. And that was another open season. 
Yep. Um, and this is an open season as well. So yeah, I mean Dortmund make Dortmund or any team for that matter, you know, in that in that kind of top six seven, make a, if they are able to make a couple of decent signings, maybe in the January transfer window, maybe one game changing signing. I'm not saying that it'll be Dortmund, uh, but it, but but that might just be enough to maybe just get one of these teams out on a run and then yeah I mean because everyone's taking points off each other that's been the story of the of the Hinrunder will that be the story of the Rookrunder uh, that's the thing if it still is then yeah it only takes one of those teams to get a decent run together and it's definitely there it is as they say up for grabs it's a, it's 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 fantastic. It's it's really, really, it's it's just so refreshing yep. to see stuff have something like this. I know it's a totally different league. Let's take a break and let's come back and talk about a little bit more match day seventeen, as well as give out some halfway awards. You know, in a half-assed way. All right, here comes part two of Talking Foosball. I'm Matt Herman. I'm here with Terry DeFellin. We've got a little bit more of Match Day 17 to talk about before we, you know, hand out some halfway awards. Maybe we'll just, uh, you know, half-acidly hand them out whenever we want. That's that's, that's the way we do things in the halfway awards. Um, Quickly talking about Borussia Mönchengladbach. They have slumped a little bit in this English week. They took, what, four points out of uh, a possible nine, you know, losing to Gladbach, drawing away to Hertha on the last Saturday night game of the Hinrunde. They, they sandwiched those two results around a, a pretty workaday win over Paderborn in the middle. What do you make of the way that they have sort of run into the winter break? I... It was interesting. I, I, you know, I of course got the chance to watch them play against Hertha because I watch all the Hertha games that I can. They were not good in that game. <laughs> Hertha actually shut them down very effectively. I, I can't say that you know Hertha offered a whole lot themselves going forward, but, but they did shut down Gladbach, and it did not look that hard. Is this a team that's just maybe a little tired, or maybe there were just too many sort of bit players playing a part in that game who were not necessarily first choice, and this was just a way to sort of close things out at the end of an English week? I I don't know, but are you losing any faith in their ability to stick around in the title race? I mean, I, I definitely think they're going to stick around in the European race, and hey, you know what? Let's give this. I'm going to give a halfway award to a, a joint halfway award. I'm changing the rules. I'm tearing out Page from the record book. It, don't care. My two surprise players of of the uh, the Hinrunda. The halfway award goes to uh, Braille Embolo and Laszlo Benesch. They're going to share it. These are two guys who looked like stiffs for most of their Bundesliga careers in the past, and they have been lights out brilliant. Yeah, especially in Bono. It's so gratifying to see that happen. And we've had such bad luck with injuries at Schalke. And then came into the squad, came, came into a Schalke team that was struggling, and then he got injured, and then he was struggling again, and then he got injured. And it never really it never really worked out for him, so it's really pleasing to see him uh, uh, doing so well. I, mean, I think to answer your question, yeah, I, I think like the combination of like Europa League fatigue, uh, injuries, some squad changes, and a bit of squad management from the coach and they've kind of just run out of steam at the right time, in fairness, to run out of steam. And yeah, okay, a rudimentary win against Paderborn, who won today, as we know, fantastic result, but are, generally speaking, poor. They had some difficulty against a Hertha team that has found some resolve 
you will no doubt be pleased to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm really psyched about Hertha uh, finding some resolve. And, and you know, as much as I was looking forward to this season as being a season where we would break free of our uh, defensive solidity and maybe a little bit going forward sort of philosophy, I think that's really where they need to be right now. And it's kind of working. I mean, they are going into a bit of a shell right now, our Hertha. But at least when they break forward out of that shell, they are doing it effectively. They are actually having, you know, three runners going forward out of a out of a badly played corner by the opposition or whatever, instead of you know, <laughs> Vado or or Davies Elka just sort of hanging out by himself and putting a, a kind of half ass shot. And anyway, let's 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 leave Herta behind. You know, hooray, Cleansey, hooray for uh, everything going on there. Long may it continue. But uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, I'm going to give them one more halfway award because why not? This is for me the 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 sort of exciting project of of this half season. I want to give. Uh, you know, uh, Marcus Thuram, the uh, the halfway award for best newcomer in the Bundesliga. Does he even have competition? Is there anyone who who is sort of playing him close in in this respect? No, in, within the criteria that you've laid down, no. I'd have to say definitely not. Uh, I mean, as a newcomer to the league, as a young player, yeah, I think he's gonna he's he's, he's got to be the winner of the halfway award, no question. Okay. Well, we, we can be sure that that's a, a good decision because neither of us can think of anybody else who, who, who deserves it more than him. And that's that's all you need to win a halfway award. That Just that half-assed sort of criteria is, is what gets you where you need to go. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on down towards the bottom of the table because I think that there's interesting stuff there too. You mentioned Paderborn's win on match day 17 and, and you know, I would actually say to a degree, Paderborn have have gone into the winter break looking a lot less hapless than they had sort of around match days 12, 13, 14, 15. The team that they beat, however, Eintracht Frankfurt, this has been a super bizarre season for them. I mean, they did not exactly electrify and then they sort of started playing well. They hung that big, big result on Bayern Munich and then something just went off the rails for them. They are not functioning anymore. They can't score. They can't get a win. What do you think is ailing Eintracht Frankfurt? And is this something that's going to necessitate big changes in the winter? With, by which I mean either the, the you know purchase of a new attacker. They've been talking to uh, Rebic maybe about coming back. I don't know if Adi Hütter's job is in any jeopardy. I mean, how much should people be panicking about the Eagles? Well, I, I mean, just looking at their form, and as you say, it's completely tanked, and they're not recognisable from the team, you know, from earlier the season, who looked like they were, you know, they'd they'd recovered from the losses that they'd had uh, to the squad and seemed to be doing, you know, admirably. But they does they they've completely fallen to pieces. Um, you can't replen we can't refresh that squad again. It's just not possible. They're not. I don't imagine that they're going to be able to go into the transfer window and, and make any significant signings. I mean, it's expensive to buy players in the, in January, and um, and and yeah, it doesn't always guarantee success because even though you have got a break um, in Germany, it's still no guarantee that you know you're going to be able to find renewed momentum. It looks very grim for Adi Hutter. It has to be said, um, and I. I would like to think that they've got tremendous faith in him 
for the work that he's done, but we all know how quickly these things change. I mean, if you will, maybe we'll talk about the other relegation candidates uh, in, in a moment. But I mean, Paderborn will go out of this game thinking, you know, that they maybe do have a chance of, 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 of doing something in this league. Uh, at the moment, you'd have to say of the relegation candidates that Eintracht and Werder look like the two clubs that just seem to be completely lacking any kind of momentum and energy. The others, Paderborn, Fortuna, FC Köln, so certainly FC Köln, are, 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 I think have, have belief. But you can see the belief draining out of that squad, out of that, that, that team of players. And that's very, very hard to, to replace. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Werder Bremen because that's the team. I mean, let's face it. People are, are panicking in Frankfurt because they are, have gone on a real slide ever since that Bayern game. I think they, they, they won in the cup, and I don't think that they've picked up a win since then in, in any competition. But Werder Bremen are actually in the relegation zone. I mean, if, if the Bundesliga ended at the halfway point, if they decided to have a half-assed season, they would be all the way relegated. And... They aren't good anymore. This is a team that sort of, you know, they played Dortmund really tough early in this season. They had some some good results against teams towards the top of the table. And now, you know, they're getting beat up all over the place, no matter who they're playing. We had that excuse towards the beginning of the season when things didn't go well, that they had, you know, injury problems in defense and they were having trouble sort of managing games because of that that has long since changed they can't really seem to find many goals outside of Mila Rashica where is this all going well I mean as well as you just said at the moment they're going down I mean I mean they've got 14 points I mean, that's utter garbage <laughs> they're only two points better than Paderborn so are you willing to give him a, a, the halfway award for a most disappointing team yeah I think I think in terms of if that is what if we can class that as an award then I think we should definitely be giving them um, <laughs> can we even classify that. the halfway awards as awards <laughs> well I mean okay yeah, I, point taken <laughs> Point taken. I, I, mean, I think that Werner definitely win that hand down. I, I mean, I, I would have strong competition with Hertha BSC, but they made a superb narrative choice in, in, in getting Klinsmann in, and it also seems to have worked after a fashion as well. And they're getting, they're starting to get some get some results. But I was looking at both Werder and Hertha at the start of the season, thinking we might see something exciting with those two teams. And it's been rubbish. I mean, Verda, I think, you know, you don't want to put it all on one player, but so much good stuff went through Max Cruiser. And they clearly, you know, they just don't function well as an attacking lineup uh, without that guy. And, I mean, they just didn't, you don't replace a guy like that, sadly. He was a fairly unique player, and, and or is a fairly unique player in that regard, not just of his abilities. He was a good footballer but also you know you know his presence presence in the dressing room and his ability to coordinate with the other players as well all of that stuff is all gone is that a euphemism there is that a euphemism yeah, military his yeah. presence in the dressing room <laughs> well he's one of the i mean he's a i mean max cruiser i'm getting nostalgia for max max cruiser now but i mean he's a, a classic maverick footballer very very talented not necessarily willing to play by the rules, you know. He'd be he'd have made an excellent foil in an eighties uh, uh, US cop show. You know, he, he gets results, damn it. 
Um, and and unfortunately, they're they're missing him, and you just can't. I mean, there's no there's 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 no replacement for that, and certainly not for a club like Verde, who just don't have pots of money. Nevertheless, there were high expectations with that, and 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 again, it it looks grim for Florian Kohfeldt, uh, and he, this is where his lack of experience is probably as a coach is probably showing because he probably doesn't really know how to turn it round. Yeah, they need to have a good think uh, in this in in January and see whether or not they can maybe bring in a couple of bodies that might be able to help yep yep i would be um i'd be interested to see if they might have some you know weird you know the, the kind of moves like Schalke made from michel gregorich you know finding a guy who is you know by all accounts pretty good who's maybe not getting a lot of playing time somewhere it doesn't cost very much i think that's the kind of creative move that they're gonna have to look at yeah, or find a find a guy who's like really really good for a top European Champions League club, but is kind of not getting a game with him. And see if they can snaffle him on loan just for a oh yeah for a few months. You know, with the with the Euros coming up, there might be some players coming online going, "I'm not getting enough games, and I don't want to get picked for my national team." Send me out on loan for a half a season. Come on, that's 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 what Hertha's doing. Apparently, we're we're after Granit Xhaka and Victor Wanyama and all all kinds of uh, you know guys who. Have have backstories who aren't quite working out right now for their for their clubs, um, but yeah, if if you have a little money, that that's definitely a nice method uh, for especially for people who are looking ahead towards uh, Euro twenty twenty. All right, let's let's maybe think about uh, giving out a halfway award for most disappointing player of the season. I mean, I, I would have to maybe throw out the name of Kai Havertz. Not that I think that he is a busted flush or anything like that. He's he's definitely somebody who I trust to, you know, do big things in the future, whether that's for Leverkusen or somebody else. But this has definitely been a tough season for him. I saw him play a couple of times on my recent trip to Leverkusen. I love watching him play. I like his style of play. He's sort of one of those glidey type of players who, you know, both the way he moves and the way he moves the ball is is very sort of elegant and has a interesting stillness to it. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm getting a bit too poetic here, but it disappoints me to see him having such a, a, a season of, of struggle. And um, I'm, I'm sorry to have to give him this halfway award. Well, okay, fair enough. I, mean, I, I dislike uh, intensely giving out these kinds of awards because I only I only see the good in people. So I, I, I will... I will st- just have to stick with how about the the halfway award for most room for improvement in a second? uh I, I would like i would i was expecting an awful lot more from dodi lukabakio this half season and Ooh. um would uh like and i'm encouraged by his recent performances will that be okay yeah yeah i will accept that i think that will work Ugh. Uh, and any other uh, half-assed ideas for halfway awards? We talked about, um, you know, maybe Marco Rosa being the uh, the halfway best decent coach of the season. Do you want to dwell on the negative for a moment? Um, well, I, I would. To be honest, with you, no, I don't. But I would because <laughs> I don't want to uh, end the podcast without paying homage to uh, Reuven Hennings. Oh man, yeah, um, yeah. The, you know, the Bundesliga's third highest goal scorer so far. I mean, what a story! And uh, what is he? Thirty-two. Yeah, we can give him the you know, a the guy, NBA style a guy most improved football award. Definitely, there you go. That's him. So up until now, a guy who played football, and now and and now he's the third 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 best. Uh, third highest goal scorer in the Bundesliga so far for a club that has struggled. Um, I mean, so, you know, fantastic scored a cracker today, did he not? Um, so, I mean, really, really pleasing to 
to see those kind of stories still making it through uh, into into top flight football. Yep, yep. Ruben Hennings, hooray! Halfway, over halfway decent. That guy, you know, I, I would give him that. How about you? I mean, what about sort of like for guys like? I mean, we we haven't talked about Freiburg, and I know like they're now eighth. And, but they have been up as high as third and fourth, haven't they? Maybe even a little bit higher than that. And, I mean, they've just done very, very quietly gone about their business. I know they've, they've not on, been such a great run of form in the last five, but they they have, they every time, every season where Freiburg aren't, like, out of the bottom three, you kind of think is a decent season for them. But do you think that we should now start to be reevaluating Freiburg as now, like a like you know a team that that can and should you know be in that Europa League equation at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think if this season continues in the form that it has, which is to say, you know, a season where everyone's struggling for form. I mean, has anyone put together a win streak of more than I don't know four games or something like that? It's it's just one of those seasons where you know Freiburg just by being as good as they are, which is which is pretty good. I'm, I'm not going to say that they're not pretty good. They are pretty good, but that's that's enough to be in the hunt for Europe this season, and that's that's all right. Sure thing. I mean, whether or not that's something they would welcome, I I don't know. But since if you want to just return quickly to a negative, then let's let's just mention David Abraham. You know, who just declared war on Christian Strike for for no good reason whatsoever. I mean, that was that that's one of those that kind of like tells you about. Eintracht's half of the season, really, a complete loss of composure, a loss of everything. All right. Well, I reckon that's probably enough halfway awards for uh, for this half season. There might be um, other halfway awards that you might have in mind if you if you have some you know especially half-assed halfway awards that you want to give out. Just uh, send them our way to Talking Foosball on Twitter, and you know we'll we'll give them a half-assed retweet. And there'll be Cologne fans saying, "How dare you not talk about Achim Bayerlotzer?" Uh, and and what's the, and, and Marcus Gisdol and Achenbauer Lotzer and, and all of that that big change over there because you know that's talk about half half asked <laughs> that's, that's that's some story <laughs> it is amazing but yeah we can't talk about all of them unfortunately all right that is it for this edition of Talking Foosball which was produced as always by Aiden Rantoul it was really really good to have you back on the podcast Terry it's good to see your face it's uh, good to be seen and it's good to be heard thanks very much for having me back on that super duper all right you can follow Terry on Twitter at Terry DeFelon. it's that simple you can uh, read his book when it comes out it's going to come out you know it's going to come out if you want to contact me I'm at Mr. Matt Herman over there on, on the Twitter bots please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your pods and do it leave us a rating it is a big big help talking foosball fantasy whoo they've got a little ways off uh it's probably going to be back to the second week in january for them jt and flo have a nice little break as do i but uh, i'm going to try and fill the patreon feed with a couple of things over the break so watch out there if you feel like spending a little tiny bit of money maybe you take your christmas money and you spend three bucks on that each month just a thought bis zum nächsten mal y'all 